Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Ready, babe. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of All Ball Chicago. I'm your co-host, Robert Bobby Reed, and I got the legend, the NBA veteran, the McDonald's All-American, your host, Marcus Liberty in the building. What's up, Marcus? What's up, my beautiful people? <laughs> and we got a special guest up in here. I like to call him a point guard for by way of Chicago Heights, what the Mark Carmel High School did his thing. Short stint at Mobley Juco, then go on to Marquette to play for the fame Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame coach Al McGuire. Give it up for Lloyd Walnick. Also got drafted by the Milwaukee Bucks. My bad. I almost dropped the ball on that. Welcome <laughs> to the show, Lloyd Walton. What's up, big baby? Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's good to be here to share some insight and perspective on my journey in basketball. Yeah, I'm glad to be here, man. Man, we had to get you on, man. You know, we there's so many great basketball players that came to go, man. So, uh, Lloyd, we were going to get to you, man. Uh, it's just <laughs> we need we we just wanted to we we just wanted to hold you hold you a little bit and say man you guys gonna forget about me or something man, <laughs> man we ain't gonna never forget about and Robert forgot to put the doctor on that man you got to put the doctor in front of that name man hey, Marcus, hey Dr. Lord Walk my bad and, and let me just say this now on the real on real talk right so out of all the things that I've been fortunate enough to achieve and seriously that's the most important to me. Right, ball I love, I would have passion since I was a kid, right? But but the ac academic part, as most of us athletes didn't take it really, really serious, I was just like that. So to uh -huh. achieve a doctorate off the court, that's the most special thing I could have done, man. Thank you, Marcus. Man, that's huge, man. man. I mean, seriously, man, you that's got so huge. many, you got so many of us athletes, man, that don't really take that full advantage of of certain situations we we concentrate so much on the ball side and forget about the other side and and big ups for you for, for going back and doing that uh uh dr lloyd walton well well <laughs> thank you man another thing that happened to me to you my wife who you know she just got her doctorate three days ago no oh, <laughs> sally didn't did it too okay yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. wow yeah. wow well make make yeah. sure you tell her i said congratulations on that too man so now two doctors in the house wow yeah man but you know i bought this t-shirt when we were in aruba last summer and it says uh, i don't need google my wife knows everything i believe that now <laughs> <laughs> oh, well man let's jump right into it man uh uh, you know, I know you're a little uh, older than me and Bob, and uh, sure. you've been around the game and doing a lot of great things with the uh, Players Association. But let's talk about a little bit your upbringing, about who put the rock in your hand, who 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 started it for you, who got you involved in playing the game of basketball. Hey man, you know what? It was it was really really simple. Uh, going to school early, and stopping by the playground, and there's a hoop and there's some guys playing. And I'm just, I'm amazed at what they're doing. And actually, when I look back on them, they weren't doing nothing but passing the ball back and forth, right? But a guy took a shot. And back then, we had chain nets. Yeah. Right? We didn't have a real net to nylon. We had the chain. And when I heard that ball go through the hoop, I was like, I got to learn how to do that, right? So my gym teacher uh, organized the guys fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. And that's where it started at, man. It wasn't anything other than it was fun. It was a way to uh, be with my buddies, be out on the playground. Then we're allowed to come in the gym to actually play during gym class. 
So it was a special kind of time, but we had no dreams, no aspirations to do anything but get the fourth period so we can go play ball. That was it. Wow. Yeah, that was it. Wow, amazing, man. That's amazing that that's how you got involved in it. And you, because you, you, I remember those chain nets, you know, too. Uh, well, they weren't really nets. They were, man, they, they cut your hand, too. Cut, exactly, to... exactly. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Most people don't, no, most people don't know that. They're too young to realize that, man. Yeah, man. And, and, and Chicago, I would say back then and, and even now, uh, is known for point guards, you know, known for a lot of great point guards. You went on to Mount Carmel, and that kind of lets me know where your mindset was at because you were going, you know, Mount Carmel was a private school, Catholic school, uh, education, uh, great, probably good <laughs> basketball program, but you were probably thinking about the education part of, Instead of going to, what made you go to Mount Carmel and not a public school? I'm, I'm glad you asked, Marcus, because most people don't know it. Uh, my book is going to be released in 30 days. Everything is set. But uh, what happened to me was I'm a freshman. Actually, I started school at Bloom High School in Chicago Heights. That's where I grew up. Okay. So I started there as a freshman, and uh, I'm not doing very well. So my family sends me actually to boarding school in the middle of my freshman year in North Carolina. Okay? What? Oh. Yeah, send me to boarding school. I played a little ball the last part of the year there. I come back in the summer and I hated it, right? Cause I was away from my friends and, and familiarity. So I begged my mom to let me re-enroll in Bloom. So here's the deal. She says, look, you gotta go back to summer school. I say, I know mom, but I'm gonna do well. She said, well, what do you mean you're gonna do? I said, I'm gonna get two A's on those two classes. She said, yeah, right. If you get two A's, then I'll let you come back and re-enroll in Bloom. I ain't never worked so hard in my life. I got two wow. A's <laughs> and I went back to Bloom, right? So uh, come September school starts, I'm at one of the parties in the hood and I'm just having a good time. And one of the brothers come downstairs in the basement. He's like, hey man, this white dude outside looking for you. I'm like, damn, what did I do this time, right? <laughs> I said, well, there's only one way out, right? So I walk up the stairs and I see this guy standing over in the shade and a little light on him. And he said, you remember me? I said, I seen you around. He said, yeah, I'm the, I'm the assistant coach at Mount Carmel in Chicago, and I coached at the Park District. And so I went to your aunt and uncle's house, and uh, we want to offer you a scholarship to go to Mount Carmel. Oh. Now, he says, all right, come get in the car with me. Here's the deal. You know, I'm from the hood, because most people think I'm a Catholic school boy. I ain't nowhere near Catholic school boy. Right, right. So I'm like, no, nah, I ain't getting in the car with you, man. I'll meet you at the crib, because I don't know you like that. Right. right. So I, I get to the crib. My aunt and uncle raised me. But he had called my mother and my grandmother in Chicago and convinced them that they should accept this scholarship for their son. Oh, wow. And man, this man picked me up every day, starting the next day for three years and drove me to Mount Carmel and brought me home after practice. Wow. What was Changed, your name? His name is Dick Barber. Oh. Changed my life, okay? And I know that we've all gone through life where somebody who we didn't know, didn't expect, has uh -huh. done something for us to raise our level of living and understanding and appreciation. I will mm -hmm. ever forever be indebted for this guy because it changed right. my life. And I didn't know nothing about going to Mount Carmel because let me tell you, Mark, you know how it goes. He says to my uncle, do you have any ties? My uncle said, yeah, I got plenty of ties. So I'm thinking, why ties? He said, he's going to have to wear a tie every day. I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I think he might have froze up on us. Uh, wow. But. But man, that's that's interesting, man. 
I, I, I got, I can't wait to hear the rest of it. We can't got the wait. legend Lloyd Walton on the on the show, man. Get the, the doc, Doctor Lloyd Walton. There you My go. Bad. There Dr. you go. There you he go. Even motivated me. I might go back to school, live, and get my doctor, but I got to get my master's first. <laughs> I got to start there, right? Yeah, man. But but just to just to have him on here, man, and, and chopping it up with us, um, I think that's uh, awesome. And uh, he'll be joining us again. So just hold your horses to all our listeners out there. We got we have Dr. Lloyd Walton, Chicago's very own. As you as you. Heard him say he went to Bloom his freshman year, and then the coach actually recruited him to come uh, to Mount to go to Mount Carmel. And um, we gonna go back to the story yeah. once he get back with us. But man, Bob, I go to show you though, all y'all coaches was picking y'all up. Man, you know what? I think back then most coaches were were were, were stuck on mentoring mm-hmm. kids more so mm-hmm. than the coaching part of it, you know, because of the, you know, the gangs that we had, we had, we had gangs back then, a lot of gangs, you still do have a lot of gangs in Chicago, but I think we had, you know, a lot of gangs and I think they wanted to keep us away from the streets, man. And, and all those coaches, you know, know, he just said it, he's going to be forever indebted to that that coach, you know, for what he did for him. So. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Because I remember even when I was in school playing in grammar school, the coach, at the van, they always had the van. Somebody had it. They pick us up and drop us off. Yeah, yeah, that's that's real, man. And you know what? You know, Lloyd Walton. I mean, this dude, man, to to have played in the NBA, and then to still go on and go get his doctorate. Yeah, yeah, that's special, man. That's special. I, I'm just gonna say it. It's special, you know. And then his wife just got hers too. And, and he and he says he's more proud to to talk about that than to talk about the basketball things that he accomplished. So I think what, what our shorties need to remember too, like when you get those college scholarships, and I often hear that they can snatch those scholarships, but I don't really, I really often see them do that. So they won't, they won't do that to like your elite players, but if you just on the borderline of them bringing you on like the 12th man and you start acting up, there's a good chance they can take that away from you. But they very seldom, you very seldom hear the stories. I'm pretty sure there's some stories out there, but we just don't know about them. We don't hear about them, right. about them actually doing that, you know, taking that scholarship yeah, away. I think that's pretty cruel. Offer somebody a scholarship and don't pay for it. But yeah, yeah but Bob, like, remember we talked about that before, and, and a lot of people don't understand that. A uh, scholarship is just like a contract. You know, think about it. It's just like a contract, man. You, you, you're giving up your likeness. You're giving up a lot of things uh, to be, you know, in that university. Oh, here come Lloyd now. Um, so it's, it's hard, man. It's hard. So you had to move around, huh? Yeah, he had to get to probably a better, a better area. You got, yeah. you got to get, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's yeah. much better. I had to leave my man cave to come upstairs, man. <laughs> ah, no. That's all right, man. <laughs> that's up. So, so let's get back to what we was talking about. We was talking about um, Mark Carmel, the coach, you know, um, who came and picked you up. You know, he was picking you up every day. Uh, so that's where we left off at. Yeah, so that was, uh, that changed my life. 
uh, obviously I started, I started taking academics a little more serious. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a hell of a ride every day to come in and come back. And all I wanted to do when I got back home was go play with my partners, you know, ball at the, at the rec center. Mm -hmm. uh, but I started getting better. I started to really like this thing. I love the challenge and the competition, right? And so um, lo and behold, jump to the, you know, my senior year, I'm named the Parade Magazine All-American. And that was not something that I was striving for. It's just, you know, my play, my perseverance. And I think having to go to Mount Carmel rather than going to a place like Bloom that I was comfortable with forced me to really focus and get better as a player. Okay. Uh, so, you know, I didn't, I didn't qualify academically, even though my grades came up substantially. So I mm -hmm. went to, as Robert said, I went to Mobley Junior College for a year. Mm -hmm. And the, the idea and the goal was to be there for two years like most guys. But it was just a terrible situation that I didn't want to be there for another year. And Marquette had been recruiting me. I was very, very fortunate, Marcus. Uh, you know, I had well over 200 offers and what have you. But oh. I fell in love with Al McGuire. I fell in love with Marquette because they had unbelievable uniforms year in and year out. Right. So um, <laughs> you might remember Tony Baroni. He was my uh -huh. as a senior at Mount Carmel. So I wrote him back and said, look, does Mar Marquette still interested in me? And he got back to me and check it out. Wasn't no texting or nothing like that, man. This is, right. this was put the mail in the letter, the letter in the mail. So <laughs> it took about, it took about two or three weeks, but he said, yeah, they're interested. So we put it all together and I enrolled at Marquette the following uh, fall. Wow. Uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't play my first year. So I had to sit out mm. and I'll, I'll tell you this, the funny story. So I'm sitting out and we have our pickup games and everybody's walking to uh, uh, to the training table. And Maurice Lucas, who you probably remember. Mm -hmm. So uh, he pulls me to the side and he says, look, man, uh, I don't know why they came and got you, man. We already got three good guards. What? Now, you know, yeah, you know, Lucas 6'8", built 240, 260, whatever it was. So I said, look, I want you to look around and see those guards you're talking about and tell which one that ain't going to start because I'm starting. Ooh. Right, right. <laughs> So I was very fortunate. I started three years at Marquette, my sophomore year. Uh, we played for the national championship, uh, lost against North Carolina State. And uh, my three years as a starter, we were 78 and 11. Uh, oh, we still man. a year record. Um, but every year I met more and more people that I hadn't had, had any idea what my life would be about until I met them. Mm -hmm. uh, prior to that, I was, you know, it's how you are when you're in the neighborhood, you meet the people in the neighborhood. That's right. Now, rising became, it, it broadened so much. I was like, I can do a lot of different things. And so the thing that I wanted to do more, more than anything, was obviously would get to the NBA. And hmm. uh, I, I tell the story in my book how Jerry Krause, people don't know, Jerry Krause was a gopher, okay, when I was in college. He was a gopher for this big time uh, attorney in Chicago named Arthur Morris. So he was on me my senior year. I'm talking about every other day he was calling me at my apartment, man. So he wants them to represent me. And uh, I decided to let them represent me. Uh, Jerry Krause became the general manager of the Bulls a week before the draft. Wow. Now, check this out, Robert and Marcus. This guy's been courting me for three months. So when the draft pick comes, he picks, they pick Scott May first, which they should have because they were undefeated, national mm -hmm. championship. So I know they're going to choose me in the second round, right? He don't pick me in the second round. He picks Willie Smith out of Missouri. Now, me and Willie are real Sam, cool. Sam Smith, brother. Exactly. exactly. Yep. Sam and I played together at Marquette. 
Okay. Uh, but the crazy part was about I always get on Willie about it. Willie, you didn't last past training camp. They wow. said on you, man. <laughs> but anyway, man, I had a I had a good career uh in terms of you know reaching my goal and my dream was to play in the NBA, put on that uniform. The best in the world at that time was only 285 NBA players. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I I I think that. More than anything else, I wanted to achieve my goal. But once I got there, I got distracted. I wanted to do everything else. It was the first time in my life, Marcus, that I never started, right? Mm. And I really didn't know how to handle that. I mean, I oh. really didn't. I didn't have a mentor telling me. I've been an All-American. I've been a starter. You know, I'm like, I was All-American in college, man, second-team All-American. So getting to the NBA and then not starting, I just didn't have the focus and the discipline and the commitment that I needed. You know, I can oh. look back in retrospect and say, well, this is what you should have done, Lloyd. You should have did everything you did to get there, to stay there. That's but right. I didn't. And so uh, I got my five years out of it. And uh, I can only say this, man, especially getting my doctorate. I've reached the highest level in academics and in athletics. So oh, that's huge, man. That is. I'm, I'm happy that is. About, and I'm happy about that. I try to tell young people, man. Don't let anybody tell you you can't achieve, man. Seriously, I don't care what it is. Don't let anybody tell you you can't achieve. If you want it bad enough, you have the skills, and you get just a little bit of luck, chances mm -hmm. are you'll get that chance, but you need to be ready for that chance. Yeah. Lloyd, but I want to I want to jump in. I want to talk a little bit about Marquette, man, because <clears throat> I was watching some of those videos back in the day. I said, let me go back and watch some of these videos of Lloyd. And I noticed you had this little gold necklace around your neck. Did did you did you? <laughs> <laughs> was you was you was you was you about that style too? Going when you, you you had to put that necklace on your neck, man. And they let y'all play back then, back in the days with the with the with the jewelry on, right? You 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 really 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 making me real real old now because. <laughs> Hey man, there was no penalty. You wore what you wanted to wear. So, you know, we all had our little chains and what have you, our little chokers on, man. We wanted to style for the game. But yeah, that was crazy, right? It oh, was man. I said I have to say something about that, man, because if you was rocking it, boy, you was bringing that ball up and that that chain, it was choking you a little bit. It was tight. Kind of <laughs> but but let's go back to the that mentality when you Maurice Lucas said that to you and you said what you said let's talk about chicago guards man that mental that toughness that you know you got to have that you have to have that in order to lead teams because if you don't have it players will run over you and you set the tone with maurice right up the top look dude i'm coming in here that's gonna be they're gonna be coming in behind me i'm starting so how how did you get that mentality where did it come from? Did it come just from the streets playing street ball or from your parents? You watch your mom, your grandmother. What did it, where, where did it come from? Hey, 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 Marcus, you know, it came from the street, man. I don't care what hood you go into. And back then we didn't have these, you know, all the violence that we had then. So you went to everybody's playground, right? That's mm -hmm. how you got your name, right? We didn't play inside unless there was an official game. So the whole summer we traveled, man. We're going over here to play. We're going out west to play. And there were guys that you would play against, and I'm sure you know this, Robin had this experience, Marcus, that you may not even know, but this yep. guy, real deal, right? Mm -hmm. So you're going there BSing, thinking you got a name, and he's going to carry your lunch for you. That's so right. everywhere I went, man, there was always somebody who I had to compete against. 
either to hold my own or make sure he knew I was the dude, not him, right? right. Very highly competitive situation. Uh, I've never, I don't know what it is to play in LA. I don't know what it is to play in New York. I've heard all about that stuff, but I've never had an environment more competitive than Chicago, particularly point guards, okay? You ain't lying. I mean, we bring it and we bring it for real. And I can tell you this, as you see, most guys that play the point guard in Chicago, seriously, they're going to be coaches on the floor yep. or they're going to make it to the NBA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people right. don't realize how some of the guys, and this is the crazy part about it, is that it's so unfortunate that we only had 24 teams when I played. We got 30 teams now. How many other guys would have made it to the league had we had that many teams that played the point guard in other positions? That's right. We, we compete, man, period. Yeah. Right. I agree. I agree. And I also want to talk a little bit and I'm going to let Rob, I know Robert got some questions you want to ask, but I want no, I'm good. I'm in line with you. Live. Go. Okay. I just want to hear some stories of what, you know, the great Al McGuire. I mean, I used to watch him do television games. I watched the, you know, him coach, you know, he just seems like he was a player's coach. Uh, but I want you to talk to our listeners a little bit about the great Al McGuire. First of all, people say, well, who, who does he remind you of like in today's coaches? Uh, I would say he was a cross between Calipari and uh, Krzyzewski. Okay. But you already alluded to, he was a player's coach. You know, he came into the inner city of New York, the inner city of Chicago, and he had this way about it, man, that made you feel very comfortable. Uh, he had this way about knowing the things that you wanted to do. And back then, the things that we wanted to do was have a better life for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And most of us who we recruited had a chance to play in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And so he convinced you, and this is the craziest thing that I ever could have imagined. He would go get these guys from all these urban communities. So you know how we play in the city of Chicago and New York, we up and down, right? Right. But he convinced us that we had to play a certain way. We never ran the ball, Marks. We walked the ball up the floor, wow. okay? We actually averaged only 57 points a game, but we didn't let anybody score more than 50, okay? My sophomore year, the year we went to the national championship, he had five All-Americans. The next year, he had six. My senior year, he had seven All-Americans, and we walked the ball up the floor. The only way you could run or take a fast break is if you stole the ball. Wow. Wow. But here's the deal, and I remember watching this film several years before I got to Marquette. And Al saying to his team then with Dean Memminger, Bob Black, and all these guys, hey, look, you're going to share the ball because everybody's going to get a chance to go play in the NBA. But you got to do it my way. And Bo, I, Bo has yet to give me my copy, but he has a picture. When we played, we were the number two ranked team in the country, and Indiana was ranked number one. And all 10 guys in the jump ball at the beginning of the game got drafted to the NBA. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. I don't wow. know what it was for, but it was a very important moment. And it just kind of highlighted what he was talking about. When you win, everybody gets a chance, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, most of us listen. I mean, I didn't really care to play that way, uh, but we always won. So how are you going to, you know, like say you something when you're successful? Right. I mean, losing 11 games in three years, that's a pretty damn good record. That's right? a hell of a record. Right? <laughs> uh, but the other part of it is, you, as you can imagine, though, you can't really showcase your talent if you're playing a very deliberate style of ball and walking it down the floor. Uh, right. I, was, I agree. I agree. 
I was thinking about you today, Marcus, just in the NBA game. I said, with the spacing that we have now, how much would you love to be able to play in that? Ooh, man. <laughs> man, I told my mom that the other day too, man. You got, you got me too soon. <laughs> Way too soon, right? Being yeah, man. And scoring the basketball like you, like you could, if you had playing that kind of system, she yeah. could have it 40 in this Ooh, crazy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, but Al, the other thing about Al was that he wanted you to get your education. Um, he didn't he didn't sell you was no smoking mirrors because he knew everybody wasn't going to make it to the NBA, but everybody would get a shot. And so if you didn't make it to the NBA, you needed some kind of cushion. You needed to have an alternative that was substantial and significant. And that was your education. So the thing about Marquette is that if you went there and, and they tried not to allow you to go four years without getting your degree, but some of us did. But if you mm -hmm. didn't get your degree, you could come back and get your degree and they would pay for it for free. That's okay? good. Um, I left there with five credit hours short. And I remember um, leaving the NBA, coming by my mom's house one day and she says, Coach Raymond, who was the assistant coach, called and said, you need to call him. So I called him. Now, mind you, I've already played five years in the league. He said, hey, man, you got five credit hours that you need before you get your degree. I want you up here tomorrow to register for class so you can get these five credit hours. He didn't have oh, to do that. Okay. He, you know, really, he just didn't have to do that. He did that for me. Again, somebody I'll be indebted to for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. um, but the other thing about Al, he liked to have a lot of fun, man. And he challenged us each and every day. I'll tell you, Bo's first practice, his first practice, Two guys got in the fight, and Al's talking so much crap to the guys that Al gets into the fight with one of the players. They're rolling on the floor, fighting man in the ah. middle. Of <laughs> um, he was the kind of guy that, you know, back then I didn't realize it, but he'd, he'd say, I, I, I need to get a technical foul right now. Okay. This oh. game, game. And he would just get a technical, call the referee summer, walk out on the floor, get a technical change the tempo, change the momentum. Next thing you know, we're back in the game and where we want to be. Smart, uh, smart. Uh, he loved his players. He always tried to figure out for each one of us, how could he make us better? What did we need so that we could have a substantial life as we move forward? And for me, it was that I needed to be kicked in the butt, but I needed to be loved too, right? right? Yeah, I would take that kick in the butt, but he couldn't leave me there with that kick in the butt. He had right. to love too. And that's what he did. Um, remember, Butch Lee came in after me. Butch and Lee. I was going to leave, but he needed to let Butch, let Butch do his thing. Don't try to put the reins on him like you did everybody else. And Butch took advantage of it. He was that kind of a player. Um, I think his best relationship with any player, though, to be honest with, was with Bo. Really? Um, yeah, man. You know, Bo came by way of... Um, I told them about Bo, but Bo was highly recruited by everybody in the country. And uh, Jim Jones, who had left Marquette. Now, this is the crazy part. Most people didn't realize Jim Jones was a starting center on an undefeated Marquette team before they went to the tournament. But the ABA wanted him right then and there, and he left. Wow. Al told him, go get that money. You're not going to be able to make that kind of money here at Marquette. Go get the money. And so he left right before the tournament, right? <laughs> so Maurice Lucas and Jim Jones came to Chicago and said, we got to go find Bo because we're going to need him to take Jim Jones' place. And we went and found Bo. And um, I, I'm telling the story because Bo knows I told him 100 times. So we get to Bo's house, and Bo's like, said, what you get ready to do? Bo's like, man, I'm getting ready to go get me a bike. It's like, how you going to get you a bike? He said, I'm getting ready to go steal me one. I need me a bike, man. <laughs> <laughs> so Jim Jones is telling, uh, <laughs> telling Bo, like, 
man, if you come to Marquette, you can have many bikes as you want. It was that kind of family kind of way that we did things. Uh, but Al loved Bo in a special kind of way. Uh, they had a special relationship. Wasn't no jealousy with nobody else. They just had a very, very special kind of relationship, man. And um, I think all of us felt good about going to Marquette, uh, having the opportunity to be educated, having the opportunity to play big-time basketball, uh, the things that make your parents proud, uh, to yes. make your community proud. So that's hey, that's the was at Marquette. I'm wow. gonna ask you. I wanna uh, ask you a quick question. You know, because me and you, we 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 guards. I'm a small guard. You're a small guard, and you got to deal with a lot of that pressure. You know, playing with a chip on your shoulder. So how was you able to fight through? Because you were six one, six two, right? Six one, man. Um, this is the crazy part about it, man. I, you know what? I never even thought I was small. I'll just be honest with you, man. Right. I, you, you didn't know, pay attention. No, man. I, you know, this is the crazy part, man. This I tell you, I was walking to the dorm one day, and uh, we were all walking to the dorm, and this girl told me, she said, oh, I looked out my dorm window, and I said, look at all those big guys, and then I saw you. You were so small. That's the first time I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> I was short, man. I never thought of myself as being short. Right, uh, we not short, but to, to them league dude, like live dude. That, we, I'm six two, you six one. He's six eight. So you man. know we have to deal with that that culture, man. They want all big guys. Right. And he was able to but, fight through. Well, the only thing I could think of seriously when I think about it, where I came from, okay, mm -hmm. Chicago, being competitive. I don't care what size you are, who you are. I'm coming at you. I'll tell you this, man. We played Notre Dame um, my, my sophomore junior year when they had Adrian Downs. Okay. They gave me the assignment. Okay. Guard AD. Guard AD. Now, okay. there was oh. some thinking behind it. The thinking was I could deny him the ball, right? Because you're quicker. Yes, right? So I could get around and do all that. But you know when AD caught the ball, it was, you know, it was over, right? So. Yeah, so, I mean, I think I held my own for the first half. I think he had three points. And the second half, you know, he just said, right, it's over, kid. Just 25. Take this with you. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, they, uh, was it ADB massaging that boy. He, yeah. he, he, he ain't giving it up. He ain't he giving, giving it, it up. up. <laughs> <laughs> no. but yeah, man. No. Some, some, some tough memories, man. But that's, I mean, I look back at the guys that I played against and some who didn't make it in Chicago. And I think about guys who I played with against in college and they were just as good as they were mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i always say damn this guy should i mean you heard the name arthur sybil yeah no i haven't you have the sybils i heard of Arthur. oh Sibbles. my god look marcus seriously is he still around no he passed away about five years ago oh man so so right now if we say who is the best guard to ever come out of chicago i would say probably zeke would you say zeke or yeah right um Better ball handler. Um, did ever, Arthur did Arthur play with the Harlem Globetrotters? He wouldn't. Oh, okay, he wouldn't. I remember him then. I remember. I remember. Oh, you know the story is the Harlem Globetrotters owner, uh, general manager, came to Arthur's house who lived in uh in the projects at Ida B. Wells. Uh huh. On the door, and uh, his mother answers and says, Arthur, you know these people are here to see you. They want to give you some money. He said, I'm not signing no autographs. I'm not signing no contracts today. <laughs> Left him oh, alone. My, oh my God. Yeah. Arthur was a special player. But I would say that Arthur Sibbles was comparable to Zeke. Okay. At 6'2. 
his ball handling skills to me today, I still like all of that other stuff that you see with Curry and and uh Trey Young. Look, and man, Kyrie. We're talking, yeah, we talking about in the 70s, man. Seriously, this was the real deal. And it's very oh, I've heard of Arthur Simmons before. Because he he wound up going to about five different high schools. Right. You know, he just could not conform, man, to the structure of a high school, of a team, and all of that kind of stuff that you have to do if you want to play. But, uh, but, 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 well, don't you think that's what, a, that's what's happening with a lot of kids, man, that don't have the proper, that proper guidance that, that we need to, to direct us in certain, in certain situations that, Hey, this is a good school. Like that coach came and got you and saw the potential in you and said, look here, I think this is the best opportunity for you. And I'm gonna make sure I get you from point A to point B. Don't worry about, you know, driving or getting to the school. I got you. I think we need more more people like that in in the city of Chicago. And this is this happened way back in the seventies. I'm assuming, right, right. right. And, and he didn't have that, so it's still going on in today's game. You know, you get a lot of guys transferring a lot. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I agree with you. First of all, one hundred percent, because I, I, my own life, if if he doesn't do that for me, I've probably never heard of in a positive light. Most mm -hmm. of my friends went to the pen, hung out, strung out on drugs, or dead. Okay. Uh -huh. So when I think about people who give you an opportunity that you wouldn't get, that's what you're talking about. I don't, I remember this, Mark. You probably don't. I remember I was out of the league, I was working for CHA, and I think you were part of that group with, with King then. And, uh -huh. and Cox, okay. We were, he did some stuff in the playgrounds, right? But he had to report to me. But you know, the deal was, man, just go do your thing. You sign your, you know, your, 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 your what you call it at the end of the week, and you're good. Who, what kind of people take these players under their wing today? Right. And and can guide them and direct them, right? And understand that you don't have somebody who has all the skills, all the experiences, all the smarts right now. But he needs a little bit of help and guidance, and he will. That's mm -hmm. what that man saw in me. He saw what I could be. He couldn't expect me to be that when he first got me. Right. So first, first thing I did was go to sleep every time I got in the car. I got to ride 21 miles and sleep. You know, the next day he asked me to do my homework. Yeah, but I'm in the park playing. He took a special interest in me. And I'm oh. sure that's the way you feel, Marcus, about Coach Cox and other yep. guys did that, man. We don't. And I don't know what the reason is, seriously, um, because we have enough people. Well, let me tell you this, Mark. I don't know if okay. you agree with you or Robert. First of all, we had real, let me say, real educated people. Coach Cox had master's degrees, okay? Yep. Right? So I don't go to high school basketballs like I, basketball games like I used to. I don't know how many guys really have gone through the structure part of getting an education so you know the value of it. Oh. Are you taking some menial job that allows you to be in the school and coach a basketball team? Well, for me, that's not the best image for the kid. Right. Because how it's like me having my own kids. For me to tell my own kids education was important, I had to be able to tell them, well, I got my degree. I got my master's degree. Look on the wall, okay? Right, right. So I don't know if, you know, that part is missing. I think some years ago they told me they took gym or something like that out of the schools or something like that because your gym teacher usually was an athlete who had gone to school, got his degree, and came back to coach football or basketball or whatever mm -hmm. it was. Mm -hmm. That narrative has that. changed, Dr. Walton. Now it's the AAU coach getting the head coaching job now. Hey, man, I, you know, 
my <laughs> thing with AAU, I saw, you know, I saw a couple of things with AAU. And the thing that I, I don't understand is why we don't have some kind of training for them. I don't care about them getting, but have some training for them. How to be able to relate to their players, get an understanding of where your players want to go and where they need to go and where they can go, right? We got all these opportunities to be able to give them a free education. No kid that plays in AAU should be without a scholarship. Right. On every level, too. I mean, exactly. D1, D2, D3, NAIA, JUCO, all those kids should be, yeah, we should do a better job of placing them. I agree. Instead of just placing the high-level ones. Come on, man. I, you know, we, we do ourselves a disservice when we don't help those kids that are at the lower end of that top. Say you got 10 guys, those seven, eight, nine guys, right, and 10 guys. Those guys need an opportunity there, and they probably realize also, I'm not going to make it in basketball, but I can use basketball to go to school and then have a scholarship and have a real career in life outside of basketball. Yeah, yeah. You know? I, I and, I, and I agree with you too, Doc, because um, when you growing up in inner city, we all, all three of us grew up in inner city of Chicago. That's all we were pretty much taught, like it was in our face. Go play some ball. Go play hoop. Go hoops. Go hoops. I think just as much as they was telling us to go hoop, somebody should have been saying, education, get your education. Go get your education. Go get your education. So our muscle memory kicks in, our mental kicks in that I need to go get my education too. I think if we had more mentors talking about this is how you get out of the hood by getting your education, not just playing basketball. I think that's what the problem is that most inner city kids here, man, you going to the league. Instead of saying, man, you can go to the co- you can go to college, get your degree, get your doctorate, man, you can be, you can be whatever you choose to be. Right. Right. Just get right. that piece of paper, man. And, it, and it's statistically proven that, that there's no quicker way out of poverty than through education. Through education. Absolutely. Everybody Absolutely. is. And here's the thing, man. I, I've said this on, on on many, many, many platforms, even before people start really zooming and what have you. Mm-hmm. I'm available to any high school coach that wants me. This is free of charge. All I want to do is be give back. I went over to Simeon, I went up to Lincoln Park once, but that's been the extent of it. You have right. a guy who played in Chicago, went to college and played, went to the pros and played, has a doctorate, and you don't feel like you can have him come in and talk to your players about real life issues and opportunities. I would do it, but no, like I said, no charge, man. Right. And nobody's, my phone don't ring for anything like that. And works for the NBA for 21 years. I've been helping players prepare for life after basketball. Wow. Wow. So you don't talk and say, man, can you come over here and talk to our kids about education and the value of it? That'd be huge, man. We got to find a way to put that together. You know, and Doc, and Doc, I even think you should, we should try the elementaries, you know, even let's plant that seed. You know, to those smaller kids before they even get to high school, you know. Let me tell you, Marcus, let me tell you what I did. I got the list of the top elementary schools in CPS. I'm probably, I probably still have the email. I sent a letter to the principal and the coaches and told them just what I told you all. I'd be willing to come and talk to your kids. Now, no response. Not one one response. How do you do this, man? And we need so much help in so many different ways for our kids. And I'm not saying I'm the answer to it all by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just saying that link between education, sports, and leaving, living a life 
that is significant to you on your own as a productive member of society. That's, That's what I can real. Those people. Well, and, 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 and Lloyd, I know if I was that shorty and you came and spoke at our my school that I'm there and you just mentioned that MBA, you got my attention, right? So whatever you say after that, I'm like, oh man, he played an MBA and now he, he, he went back and got his doctorate, his doctorate. Oh man, I want to, I want to be just like him. Yeah. You know, I, man, I don't know what, you know, honestly, I don't know how or what else you can do, but I think you're right. I'm just going back to what you started this with. We need more mentors, more people who are committed, more people who can help young people move beyond the sport, but into the sport and beyond. There's a big picture out there for our players. Mm -hmm. I, one of my teammates, Junior Bridge, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Seven, eight hundred million dollars, right? Uh, because he was smart enough to learn, not know, but to learn the business of franchising. And there's a slew of guys like that, man. The opportunities are so vast, man. And we know our kids don't even know the, about the opportunities. No, you know but they don't teach it in the schools, though. Well, that, that's still that's, teaching that same stuff. The same what, stuff. Bob? Like what? 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 Bob? Talk yeah, about. I mean, I like English. I like math, and I like science, and all of that stuff. But you talking about like entrepreneurship? Yeah, man. I never learned about that, man. Till I got out of school. Mm. When I, you know, I went to Simeon. You know, we had to trade and all that, but I never understood what an entrepreneur was till I got out of school. And then I was like, oh, that's what I want to do. You know, even though I taught school ten years, but I knew that I wanted to work for myself. And I think it starts with what you're saying. Somebody being willing to bring you in. You might have to start with Arnie Duncan. It doesn't even matter. You know, I don't have any problems with anybody. But you're right. See, somebody has to be able to introduce young people to these things. They will not know if we don't do it. And I, I, I agree with you, Marcus, that we need to start at elementary school. Mm -hmm. Right? When we plant the seed. You know, in high school, it's cool. But they've already been tainted a little bit with the ideas right. about pro ball and what they could do and that kind of stuff. But right. you get elementary kids, right? And you begin to create the values, help them see the value in their education and their own experience. You know, when you want to be an entrepreneur, that means I want to work for myself. That's right. right? Mm -hmm. I want to do this on my own. Now, we got to put some pieces around you so you can do that. But I don't have a problem with a kid that says, man, I don't want to go into corporate America. I want to do my own thing. I got some ideas. Hey, man, let's, let's, let's massage and nurture that so you can do that. That's right. It's very attainable. So, Sam, Sam Max, say what's up. Tell Coach I said what's up. Sam Max, say what's up, Coach. One of my favorite people. One of my favorite people. Mac Man. Mac Mac. Man. <laughs> and Max yeah. Junior. Max Junior. Say uh, Lloyd Walton. Big ups, man. Max Junior. Say oh, what's wow. up. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. That's that's more shout out. Me more yeah, shout out. Terry Sampson. Say what's going on. I don't know if you know T. Sampson, but T. Sampson giving you big ups. He said you played against his godfather, Bo Ellis. That was my roommate. Yeah. Bo Ellis was my roommate. <laughs> we gonna get, we gotta get Lloyd, 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 you gotta get us Bo, man. Get us, get us in contact with Bo. I gotta get Bo on here too. That's an easy piece, Marcus. I'll do this right. afterward, man. Okay. That's yeah. an easy piece. Yeah, that's a good, you know, public school situation. Um I want to say Bo was probably in the top 10 players in the country when he was a senior in high school. Okay. And you know, it's crazy when you don't see stuff, Marcus, for yourself and years past and people kind of embellish stories about people. But Bo was 6'9", 
could put it on the floor. I, I remember watching him in the programs. Like, man, he's so smooth. Yeah, he was smooth. You know, yeah. so absolutely, man. Uh, uh, there's some other guys, but yeah, I'll definitely hook you up with Bo, man. Yeah, we 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 stay in touch on all that because I I want I want to we, we when we started this all ball Chicago, we want some old flavor, some new flavor, some mid in that middle flavor, you know. So we we all about Chicago, man, and just letting people understand. Like a lot of people probably didn't know. Dr. Lloyd Walton, and now they get an opportunity to hear and see what you are all about, what you accomplished, and what you're doing right now. You're working with the NBA, helping these young players. Because I, I I remember when I played, you know, it was it was it it was like nobody was trying to guide me. You know, I was looking for that guidance, and I couldn't get it from my veterans because it looked like the veterans would look like it, looking at me like. You coming to take my spot, young fella. I can't show you the ropes. So I never really got an opportunity to have that. So it's good that you're doing that, man, and give it back to, to the younger players once they get into the NBA. And I think, Marcus, you're right. But I, I think there's been a, a change, at least in the culture of our players now. I think today in the league, we find more veterans who are willing to do what you needed, right? To see the young guy come in and say, man, come on, man. I'm going to take you under my wing. Man, I'm going to show you how to deal with your finances, man. I'm gonna show you the best places to live, right? Mm -hmm. Who to get your car from, that kind of thing. How to go out, when to stay in, to get your rest, what restaurants we can eat at. That's more prevalent today than it was back in your day. Because okay. it's see you as, man, man, this dude come to get my job, man. He was first time, yep. oh man, oh, I ain't telling him nothing, right? right. <laughs> or you could be like, you could be like, um, uh, uh, what was my man's name? Uh, God, Sam Cassell. And uh, who was he with? Uh, Kenny Smith. Kenny Smith. He was, with, he was with Steve Francis. They were boys, right? Uh, right. So from the same area. So Sam goes to play uh, Houston or wherever uh, Stevie Francis was and takes him out. And Sam don't drink. Right. Him all night long, right? Got him drunk. I didn't talk. The next day, Sam get out, get out and give him 30. Like it ain't nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but it was those kind of mind tricks that guys will play. But guys now, man, will put their arms around you, man, and try to help guide you and direct you because we have a brotherhood. I think people began to understand that. A lot of guys play, but not very few make it to the NBA. And for those who do, we have a great fraternity. And the fraternity is about helping each other, man. Where we're weak, they make us strong. They help guide us and direct us so we won't make the same mistakes that they possibly made. Wow. Can I mean, let me ask you a question, uh, Aaliyah, before you hop <laughs> So you pretty much like the way that LeBron and all these guys kind of hang with each other and, and stand up for each other for social justice and kind of finagle, you know, you, you, you up for that. I mean, they compete hard on the floor, but the relationships that they have when they make the decisions to go to other teams, how do you feel about that? I think it's cool, man. I, I never played harder than somebody who I played with on my team in, in college or high school or somebody from Chicago. Mm -hmm. okay. Right. That, that's when I was, man, you didn't have to tell me nothing. I was ready. Okay. You're playing with one of your guys. You're playing against one of my guys. Right. You know, let you down. I'm coming at you. Now, after the game, we're going to go out and have fun. We're going to talk, whatever we're going to do. But that, that really inspired me and made me play harder than I normally would play probably. I was much more focused. So I don't have right. a problem with the guys. And I think that going back to what Marcus was talking about, we needed to have relationships beyond the playing court. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's why mm -hmm. players now have their narrative and they do what they want with their narrative. 
They're in mm -hmm. control of their careers. That's why mm -hmm. they can move from team to team. Now, I'm an old school guy. I'd like to see a guy stay with where, where he's at. But if you have absolutely fulfilled your contract in anything, mm -hmm. you should be able to do what you want to do. Go where you want to go, right? right? Back when I played in the Sunday, even when Marcus was there, the owners would, would do whatever they wanted to do to you. Yep. They, they trade you. They wouldn't tell you nothing. Wasn't no loyalty then. So do we owe them loyalty now? I don't think so. I agree with you. That's what I'm I talking about, Doc. I agree My name with is you, man, because burning that, KD jersey and stuff. Go ahead, Liv. But that's how that's what happened to me. You know, I'm packed, ready to go to a game, and I get a phone call that you have been traded to Detroit Pistons. I'm like, what what is what did this happen? You know? So <laughs> I get I get it. And I'm with you on that, man. They should be able to go wherever they want. They can make their own moves now. They can if they want to team up, then then team up. I mean, I'm like you, Lord. I'm not with that, but if it happens, then let it happen, man, because it's, we've been controlled by these owners for so long. Now it's because we're the one out there playing. We're out there sweating. We're out there laying it all out on the line, trying to do it. We are actually the ones that putting the people in the seats, <laughs> you Come know, on. so so we have to be, you know, have some kind of control, man. And I think this generation has that control. They do. And Mark, you're right. See, we, it took us a long time to understand what our value is, right? Because I've never heard a fan say, I'm going to turn on the TV to watch the owner. Right. <laughs> I, I've never heard, you know, I never heard a fan say, man, I, I can't wait to get to the game to watch the owner. Right. Or mm -hmm. I'm going to buy the owner's jersey. I ain't heard right. that except for the MJ. Okay. That's that's the outlier. So with all of this power that we have, the best way to use that kind of power is to use it in a unified way and make a decision that's best for you, not for that owner. That owner is already wealthy, right? Right. A lot right. of these things are just toys he plays with, right? Mm -hmm. So you need to be able to do the same thing for yourself. And that's the reason why, one reason I'll change it a little bit. That's the reason why I'm, I was so happy in talking to players and realizing that they were going to go to the bubble, play the game, and still address some of these social issues. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't leave money on the table, okay? I don't right. care what, don't leave money on the table but you still can have a voice to talk about these things, the injustice, right? You know, the inequality, the fair housing, the racial profiling. You could do that and still play the game like they're doing. And I'm very, very happy that they made the decision that they would do both. Right. And big shout out to the NBA and the WNBA for jumping on board and letting these guys and women have the platform to do that, you know, because they could have shut it down too. The NBA could have said, nope, we're not going that route. You know, WNBA, nope, we're not doing it. But they opened arms to that. Adam Silver opened arms to it and let it happen, man. And that the big shout out to him for doing it. Well, I think that, you know, Adam's tenure has been um, very, very special. You think about the Donald Sterling situation, right? He handled that quick, fast, and in a hurry. Mm -hmm. Donald was out, right? Made him sell his team. You're no longer part of this industry. Those kind of moves are very, very important. But it's the industry that we have to hold together. And you have to make decisions that's not always popular, but it's going to keep the game moving forward. Mm -hmm. The one thing about making the decision about trying to play, and I knew the NBA was going to do everything they could so we could still play this game, whether it was in a bubble or not. The other part of it is that we, should, we never should forget. It's about making money, okay? Mm -hmm. You don't want to give money back because you can't televise games. Uh, there's nobody coming into the arenas and stuff like that. So you do the best that you can so the games can still be played and everybody still can get paid. I don't mm -hmm. care what it is, right? It's the basketball, it's the business of basketball. It's still a game, 
but it's a business. And we have to always realize there's an opportunity for us to be able to make a living, make money for our families and our communities, long as we do it the right way. The owners need us. Yep. They don't necessarily want us, but they need us. They be, can't, can't continue to build money unless they have players. Right. 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 And I agree with you, man, 100%. And I was going to touch on that, but you already spoke on it about the business side of playing the game of basketball because we grow up, we grew up playing basketball and saying, man, I love it. I love it. I love it. And now as you get to college, you start seeing some kind of business. What's going on right here? They got my jersey on here, but no money's going to my bank account. You right. know, so now you're starting to think of why are they selling my jersey? Why they got my picture all over these billboards out, you know, side the arena? Why are they doing all this stuff? And now you're starting to see it now that we understand it was a business. I didn't understand it back then, being the number one high school player. If I go to the University of Illinois, automatically the ESPN and ABC are going to want to watch me and put me on television and the university is going to get the money. I didn't yep. know that, you know. So, so now that I'm thinking, you know, it should be a way. I think Rob, me and him spoke on that before about California, what they're doing with the, you know, the student athletes going oh, yeah. and playing 20, in California. 2023, live. The, the likeness, you can use their likeness and go, you know, get paid. You know, that should have been done a long time ago. But so, man, when you think about with uh, Bo Ellis, right? We were, we were, we were, we were roommates, not just teammates, but we were roommates, good friends. So, um, Bo designed our uniforms. He did. Okay? So people don't know. So we used to always, I don't know what's wrong with our uniforms, but our jerseys was always coming out. The referees always saying, put your jerseys in. Al saying, put your jerseys in. So Bo went to, went to Marquette, but he took two classes at this fashion design school, St. Mary's, because he wanted to be a tailor and wanted to design clothes. So one day, him and I go to Al and say, hey, coach, can uh, Al, I mean, can Bo design our uniforms? So he's like, yeah, because Al was part owner of this um, apparel company in Milwaukee. Wow. So he said, yeah, see what you can come up with. And I swear to you, man, I'm in the bed, I'm laying down, boys, showing me pictures. How about this? How about that? And to design the uniform with the jerseys outside the pants. Outside. I the remember truck. that. I remember those. Oh. We go, he takes it to Al. Al said, I'll take it down to the company, see if they could do it. They were able to duplicate that. And there were many, many other teams that followed suit. But here's the deal. I'm talking about uh, the business side. He never got paid. Wow. Not only that, the NCAA made it a rule four years later that no other team could wear the jerseys like that because it helped them with their recruiting. Wow, because oh, it was smooth. It was cool. Wow. That's right. It should have been the Bo cool. Ellis rule, actually. Not only that, wow. he got paid, right, for even designing the uniform, and he did. But that's the business wow. side that we know nothing about. Yeah. Wow. That's, man, that's dope, man, that Bo yeah. did that. Like, wow, big ups to Bo, man. You gonna get him on, man. He'll tell you all about it. We yeah, to- yeah, <laughs> man. Absolutely. See, this is the stuff we want to hear, though, Liv. We want to hear wow. from the pioneers of the game, man. Man, I mean, it, it, <laughs> just, just to just to hear that this, these these conversations that we have, and man, is awesome. You know, the, that's why we start. That's why we started this, man. All for Chicago, man. It's um, it's humbling. It's, it's humbling, but it's also educational, you know, that mm-hmm. we, we drop in some stuff that people probably don't know. And now they get a under, better understanding of what, one, what Chicago basketball is really all about, man. You know, that grit, you know, that. And from Chicago, seriously, it's nowhere that I've ever been, uh, especially during my younger days in Chicago, where I was playing with a player and I saw him in another city, another state, 
that we didn't come together, okay? Most people don't realize, I'll tell you this last quick one, man. So there was a, we used to play all of our summer league games, not all of them, but most of them in the tournament at Martin Luther King Boys and Girls Club on the west side. Yeah. Okay? And I, I tell you, man, the place would be so packed, you couldn't even see the out-of-bounds lines on Friday and Saturday night. But anyway, they had a brother that 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 played, I think uh, he went to uh, Westinghouse. His name was Ralph Walker, okay? okay. And he was the first Skywalker, okay? 6'2", elbows on the box at the rim, okay? On top hey. of the rim. Now, he went to St. Mary's in California to college, stayed okay. there four years, didn't make it to the league. He joined the California Highway Patrol, okay? He was with the Highway Patrol for 30 years. And most people don't realize it, but for the last 10 years, he's been Steph Curry's bodyguard wherever he goes. Oh, wow. So, so here's the real killer piece. So I forgot where we were, but me, Steph, and, and, and Ralph was there. So I'm telling Steph, like, do you know who take care of you? He's like, right. what do you mean? Like, who takes care of you, man? Who you got that's going to take care of you? He said, well, I got Ralph there. I said, do you know he could ball? He could ball. I said, next time y'all get to a gym, let him get out there and show you. So next time I saw Steph, he said, man, he should still put his head, his elbow on the rim. I said, that's right. Out of Chicago. Ralph we got to get him. We got to get him on too. Yeah. Man, we got all kind of people all over the world, man, that have played this game right here in our city. Wow. And that's the beauty of it too, man. Because it's a lot of y'all. Like you say, it's a lot of y'all, man. And you wow. coming on today, you, you just opened up another can for a lot of people, man. Especially our guards. What's the other guard we was talking about that played against Jerry West and them in a championship and lost to them from here? Uh, what was his Emmett name? Bryant. Emmett Bryant. With the Washington, Washington Wizards. Kevin Porter. Washington. Kevin Porter. Yeah. Kevin yeah. Porter. Yeah, KP worked for me for about three years when I was yeah. executive director for the Jordan Family Life Center. Uh -huh. Okay. Crazy point guard. Uh, didn't get a whole lot of recognition going to college. He went to St. Francis in Pennsylvania. The Bullets picked him. He was starting guard there for about six or seven years before they traded him to Detroit. Had all the, man, his KP was crazy. Had all the herky-jerky shit, man. Wow. <laughs> See what I'm saying? We, yeah. we, got, we got work to do, Lib. We ain't got no work, man. These guys going to come on, man. We, get, we, we, meet the right, <laughs> we meet the right people, man, that, that can get these guys too, man. So. Hey, man, let me yeah. just say, man, I'm, I'm, I, you guys are doing an excellent job because one of the things that I think are missing some, so many times is that um, the history of the game, the history of players that came before the guys of today. And this is an important part, man, that the connection is there and they see how the game has evolved with different players that have come through Chicago and made, and some didn't necessarily make it to the NBA, but they contributed to the game of basketball in Chicago, man. So big ups to you guys, man. Appreciate that. And I don't know, Lloyd, do they have a, a Chicago public school museum in Chicago? Uh, they don't. There was two, there was two uh, initiatives. One was started at DuSable Museum. They never finished it. And the only other one that I heard of was this guy approached us. It was an old timers thing. They wanted to do it, but they wanted to do it in Southern Illinois, which wasn't Chicago. No. Right. So so it never took place, or maybe they did it, but you know, I didn't get involved in it because it wasn't Chicago for me. Right. <laughs> I think we need to we need to spearhead that man because 
It is. And I see this in certain cities that they do have it, you know, that museum where you can go in and say, you know, look at your history, because a lot of these young athletes who's playing today in Chicago never heard of a, a, a Lloyd Walton right. or a Marcus Liberty or a Benji. Oh, they know about Benji because of the documentary. But, you know, all of these guys you know, before came before them, a Bo Ellis, a Sonny Parker, you know, yeah. all those Ricky Green. You don't hear people talk about Ricky Green as much. Oh. Man, all those guys, man, we, we need to we need we need to see something, you know? Man, we just need to uh we need to find some we need to just put some stuff together and sit down and talk about what we want. Yeah. And how we want it, right? And then maybe we could reach out and 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 find some donors to be able to contribute. You know, That's we right. need space for it, you know, to house this kind of thing. But it's mm -hmm. none of this stuff, it, all of it can be done. It's not impossible, but people yeah. have to really commit to being able to do it and putting the time in to do it. And finish it through. Yes, sir. From beginning mm -hmm. to end, man. I, you know, again, count me in, you know. Ch okay. Chicago Ball Hall. Yeah. yeah. Be nasty. We can offline about where we maybe, maybe need to start, because uh, this is something that we should have. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. I agree, man. But yeah. before we let you go, man, you got to drop some knowledge, you know, to... It can be elementary. It can be whatever, whoever we talking to just drop some knowledge. And you did a lot already, but before we let you go, you gotta, you know, spread a little knowledge, man, to the up and coming Hooper. Well, I think about life and uh, in retrospect, uh, I love the game of basketball. Um, there's so much that I was able to accomplish because of it, but I want players to know, and I don't care if it's high school, uh, grade school or in college, it's something that you have to understand, right? is that every game that you play against every opponent is going to leave with an image of you. What is that image? Every coach that you play against is going to leave with an image of you. What is that going to be? Every fan sitting in those stands is going to leave with an image of you. What is that image going to be? And I'll say this, 30 years later, after I played in the NBA, I ran into a guy who's coached in the NBA for 20 years himself told me he came to see me when I was a junior in high school. And because of that, and because of how I played and conducted myself, he had nothing but good things to say about me. Wow. If I had acted a fool, didn't play well, whatever it was, he would have been able to say that too. We all know, we don't know who's watching, but everybody's watching today. That's mm -hmm. right. Wow, man. man that's real. <laughs> that's real. What, what better way to end that one? Thank you, man. Uh, to all our listeners, man, we have the great Dr. Dr. Lloyd Walton joining yes, us indeed. on yes, Ball Chicago. And, man, we appreciate you. And uh, anytime, man, you want to come on, definitely just hit hit us up, man, and you can come back on and drop some more knowledge. And uh, and we can continue to grow this, this network, this platform that we have, All Ball Chicago, because it is for Chicago, man. It really is. Every now and then we, we, we pop in with a special guest, but – this is really all about Chicago Hoopers. Cool. Hey, look, we, we, we're approaching our 50th show, just to put it on your mind. We're okay. going to do a mix-up. I was telling Liv, we want all our Chicago pros on here. Let's do it, man. As many as we can get. Okay. Here's what I need you to do, though. Um, okay. So send me your info, Marcus. Okay. okay. Uh, the next thing I'm going to do, send me your info. I'm going to get both for you, and then I'm going to uh, suggest a few other guys maybe that you haven't gotten that you can yep. get. All Ball Chicago. That's right. My All man. Right. Let's go. Man. Dr. Lloyd Walton in the building. Let's go.
Love you, man. Love you, man. Tell Sally I said hello, too, all right? I sure will, man. Take care. Be safe, all right? Take care, dog. You, too. My man. Peace. Man, oh, man. That was a good one, man. That was, I'm going to say, that was probably up there as one of the top, if not the top one, man, because of what we were talking about. You know, I get excited about things when we talk about something that's relevant and, and can really change kids' lives or, you know, that guy who's trying to get to the pros, you know, start thinking about the business side of things, not just playing, hooping, running up and down the court, making shots. Think about the business, what you're going to do after you finish hooping. Stacking that bread up. Shout out to Dr. Lloyd, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That man. was very informative. I have nothing else to say. He nope. said it all. Nope. We can go I'm, ahead and I'm, end it. I'm rarely ever at a loss for words. So thank y'all for tuning in to All Ball Chicago on the Believe Podcast Network. Make Any sure y'all go over out. to YouTube. Make sure y'all go over to YouTube and subscribe to the page. Stanley, thanks for checking the show out. Stanley, Stanley Gay, Donovan Lang, thanks for tuning in to the show. Kevin Haywood always tune in. Thanks, big guy. Jay Jensil, uh, Jamise uh, Bassett, thank y'all for tuning in to the show. Again, make sure y'all subscribing. Me and Marcus, we, we working hard. Liv, this is show number 42, baby. We're approaching number, we're approaching 50. Can you uh, buy that? It's, it's, it's. When you when you roll it, man, you just roll it. You're rolling them out. You know, it's not I don't count the numbers. I just let it go. Let it flow. You know well, what I'm saying? I, Chicago I went back and counted them like, damn. It's 41 just... shows since January, January, February, March, April, May, June, July. Dude, that's definitely five shows a month, bro, bro. And Let's go. What I'm trying to do, what I want all ball Chicago to be about, man, is the number one social media outlet man for especially chicago kids but it can be for anybody who wants to get hear some of this knowledge that we're spreading throughout all ball chicago go to our uh, youtube uh page all ball chicago subscribe to it man it, it's a lot of shows on there in case you missed them you can go back and listen to them uh, we got we on believe network you can go download that get notification off of that Man, we just trying to keep it going. And one day, you just never know what'll happen, man, with this, you know, with this platform. You know, I didn't get into it to say I want to be a millionaire or anything like that. It's like, it feels like this is my calling now that I like doing this. You know, it fulfills me, you know, and we started this just by doing COVID for COVID-19 because we were all at home chilling. But I'm starting to really like this, so. Man, I'm feeling good. Yes, sir. Good. Well, you know, as always, what you finna be on, big dog? Man, it's time for me to unlace the shoes. It's been real, man. Your boy Robert Bobby Reed, I'm about to hit a McDonald's All-American. Your boy Marcus Liberty. Peace. Ahala. Be safe out there. Peace, bro, bro. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.